Welcome to Sermons from Iceland, a podcast that highlights the most recent sermons from Lofstofan Baptista Kirka, a Bible-based church in the Reykjavik, Iceland area. Pastor Gunnar Ingi Gunnarsson and the ministry staff of Lofstofan are grateful that you're joining us for today's study in God's Word as a supplement to your weekly routine of meeting with your local church to worship Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Today's message is from Sunday, September 12, 2021. The message title is A Healthy Church, Diversity and Unity, a continuing study in the book of 1 John. Uh, Could you stand with me as we read the the verses that we're going to be dwelling on today? It's in 1 John, which is one of the letters in the Bible, one of the 66 books in the Bible. Um, And it's a letter. And he says, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong. And the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. Amen. So these are the verses. You may be seated. We're going to be dwelling on these today. And I hope that you will leave here equipped and knowing Jesus more. Uh, these words, if you're, if you're just coming in and you haven't read the context, it might just seem weird talking about children and fathers and young people and all that. But before this, in the letter of John, he is writing about Christians and saying, hey, it's not just... Don't just say that you believe in Jesus, fight against sin and actually reflect Jesus in how you live. Because otherwise, what James tells us, faith without works is dead. Our, our supposed religious uh, surface, it doesn't really matter. And then he goes to call us to love and not just love our, uh, others like we love ourselves, but to step into this radical love of Jesus where he teaches us to love others the way he has loved us. And as we remembered that, we thought of, okay, how did Jesus love us? He died for us. And so it's not, it's, it's way more than just love others the way you love yourself. Love others the radical way Jesus loved you. And so here, John goes into this list and he, he goes into talking to people and about people who are in the faith, but are at various stages in the faith. Um, and uh, here in the text, John is reminding us that there is grace for us in all periods of our life. There's a grace for children. There's a grace for young men and women. There's grace for fathers and mothers. And what we see in our text here today is a display of diversity in the church and still a call to unity. I think that's what many people misunderstand about unity is that some people, I think they think of uniformity. That is, everybody looks the same, behaves the same, is from the same, speaks the same way, speak the Christianese language, right? And like throwing out terms out there that no one else knows. No, he's saying there is diversity, but there's still unity in the body. And uh, there is grace for children, for, for young men and women, for fathers and mothers in all stages. And he's not necessarily talking about literally young children, literally young men or women or literal fathers or mothers, but rather the spiritual children who have maybe just come to faith, spiritual uh, young men and women who have started to 
to grow in their faith, but are not quite there. And then spiritual fathers and mothers. So this applies to all of you. If you're in here and you're thinking, I'm not a mom or dad, or I'm not a young man, or I'm, you know, like that doesn't need to be the case. Um, now, there's been a lot of talk. Well, we, what, what we see on display here is a type of diversity in the church. In every healthy church, uh, you want to see people in these three stages of their walk. Unfortunately, that's one of the saddest things when you walk into churches and there's only one. There's only the fathers and the mothers and there's no children to love or protect. There's no young people who are there to like get everybody going, get people excited about doing stuff because they're just tired. It's like, no, just let me go to a Sunday service and just live my life. It's very sad to see. But when, what we want to be is a healthy church. And what we see here is that in a healthy church, you want to see these three stages represented. You want to see some people who are still children in the faith because they just recently came to faith. And, and what that, this might look like is someone who's been attending church their whole life. Someone who grew up in a Christian family. You know, like you talk to Icelanders, there's this very typical saying. I, I, I think most of us have heard this. When you ask, are you a Christian? They say, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have my baby faith is the literal translation. And what that means is, well, I may have prayed a prayer uh, repetitively, uh, you know, the, the Lord's prayer when I went to bed or something like that, but I'm never actually, basically faith has never really played a role in changing my, my life. Um, but we want to see people who have come to faith in the newness of life in Jesus, who want to follow him, but they're stumbling like little children. They're crawling. Like my little child is just beginning to crawl. It freaks us out. <laughs> you have to be vacuuming the entire day because little pieces on the floor can choke her and she's going all over the place. You think you look away for 30 seconds and she's in another room or going outside or, you know, you're just like, you're on guard all the time because you want to protect this child that's just starting to crawl. And you want to be there for her because then she's going to walk. And then there's the stairs and everything else. You, know, you have to take care of them. But you also want to see in the church, those who are, the young in the faith uh, who are, are young, but sort of further along, who have learned to crawl and learn to walk and they don't need uh, to breastfeed anymore. They don't need formula anymore. They can eat by themselves. Uh, they've graduated from the basics of life and have now gained the strength to fight their own battles and by the grace of God, win those battles against Satan. And then there is the third group of people that we want to see in a healthy church. And these are older saints, fathers and mothers who have followed Jesus, loved Jesus for decades, who have wisdom to share with us, who have experience and lessons to teach us on ways they failed and ways they succeeded. But as fathers and mothers do, they are not only at the stage where they can take care of themselves, they can also take care of others. They can protect the vulnerable children. You see, like when we, when we look at these verses, we see there's actually strength in diversity, especially when there's both unity and diversity. And in, in today's church, maybe specifically, maybe I'm like too involved in like church life in America, but it seems like every pastor I know in America, they're thinking through this, okay, we want diverse churches. And there's a lot of talk about diversity and mostly it's, it's uh, well, I think about the, even the word itself, diversity. By its very nature, diversity is diverse, right? 
And in America, there's a lot of talk about diversity and there's a specific type of diversity that people are looking for. It's uh, among pastors. It's mostly about ethnic diversity, which is good that they're thinking about this and skin color diversity. But of course, there are other ways to be diverse as a church. We can be diverse in our thoughts, our opinions, right? Anybody experienced that this week when you're talking to a brother or sister? You realize you're not 100% agree on everything? There's diversity in the church about opinions, uh, about political opinions, about so many things. Uh, there is cultural diversity. Even between people who may share the same skin color, there's cultural diversity there and, and there's uh, maybe just assumptions that are underlying every single sentence that you see. There's diversity of gifts in the church. Someone may be gifted to speak. Someone may be gifted to be hospitable and to love on people. And then there's diversity of tastes and preferences. There's diversity in age. But what we see here today in our text is, is there, there's diversity and maturity as well. What we hope to have in a healthy church is diversity like this among other types of diversities. We want to see diversity and maturity. Now, I know some of you were not with us when we started the church, but I was a 24-year-old guy who decided it was a great idea to start a church. Uh, it, it may fill you with confidence that the beginning of this church started with a Google search, how to start a church. And, uh, and then we made a lot of mistakes and we uh, baptized people in our bathtub. Amen, Ricky? And uh, it, was, it was a lot of uh, just, it was messy and we were learning from mistakes and I, I did plenty of mistakes. And I, I probably, <laughs> I've graduated from that, I'm perfect now. But uh, back then, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but we're still learning from our mistakes. But one of the things that happened when you start a church and you're 24, is that other 24-year-olds-ish start coming around you and you have a group of maybe 10, 25-year-olds and you have a church. <laughs> and we would have 35-year-olds come to our church and I'm like, hey, this is a church. I'm 35. I shouldn't feel old. I'm going somewhere else. <laughs> you know? I'm not old, you know, but I just don't feel like I belong here. And one of the things when we started the church, I was yearning for, there were so many people excited about how young the people were in our church. I was so aware of how young we were. That was the problem. Like, I was so aware that we needed someone with greater wisdom to put the brakes on us as we wanted to change yet again the thing that we changed last week and we wanted to do, do this new thing. And we needed some older saints with experience to say, hey, calm down, Gunnar. Just love the people here. Like you don't have to start this new thing. You don't have to do this. Just love the people here, right? And it was like, it was basically like I was two, two years in the faith at this point. I was almost like a child that just learned to crawl, leading other children to crawl, crawl with me. You know, and that's what it felt like. And as others celebrated, you know, this, this idea, well, oh, there's a lot of young people here. I was hoping and I was craving for someone older just to come in and say, ah, Gunnar, let me help you out. It, it seems like you're in over your head. And I would have been like, yes, I am. Please help me. We needed older parents who could teach us, the younger parents, what it looked like to love our kids, to disciple our kids. We needed older loving saints that would push breaks when we were too excited about doing another thing. Here in our text, John writes about the three categories of Christians, the children, the young men, and I would add that the, 
he has here in mind women as well, and then the fathers, and I would I'd add that he has in mind mothers as well. And I would like for you to consider these categories with me today. I want to I want I want you to ask yourself two questions. Are you in any of these categories? Maybe maybe you're in here and you're not a Christian, uh, so it might be actually four categories. Where do you fit in these categories? And also, I want you to be challenged by the text that just by the very nature that these three categories exist, it means it's a challenge for us to keep growing in our faith. Because the reality is that only in church do we find it acceptable that someone has said, yeah, I follow Jesus and love Jesus for 25 years. And then we have someone new walk in who just came to faith and say, hey, can you teach them about what it looks like to follow Jesus? Oh, I haven't learned anything in the last 25 years. Wait, what? Think about any other aspect of life. Let's take jobs, for example. Okay? If someone in uh, the finance industry or the, the, the health industry or... Uh, or we got two realtors here today. If someone in the realtor industry, right, said, I've been doing this thing for like three decades <laughs> and someone would approach them and like, you probably have a lot of insight. Stuff that doesn't work, stuff that does work, what to do, what to avoid. Can you teach me? Wow, I haven't learned anything in the last three decades. We would think they're, they're, they're insane. Like either you haven't been doing this for three decades or you have something to share with me. Only in the church do we find it acceptable that someone says, I've loved Jesus for three decades. I've walked with him every day and I have absolutely nothing to share with you about what it looks like to live the Christian life. Only in church. So I want to highlight this first as we jump into these three categories. The fact that these three categories are there, it reminds us that this is a call to come to faith as children but also to grow in faith as we learn to take care of ourselves, we learn the basics, and then we get to be fathers and mothers who not only take care of themselves, but take care of others. And you know, like there's a famous saying, come to Jesus as you are. He doesn't need to be impressed by you. He doesn't need to be impressed by all the things that you've done or how you dress or whatever else. Come to Jesus right now as you are. That's true. He takes sinners and makes them children. He died for our sins, but he also loves you enough to not let you stay that way, right? That's what he does. I'm reminded of, of Hebrews chapter five. Hebrews is, a, is another book in the Bible. In chapter five, verse 12, he's writing to, uh, well, well, Hebrews, he's writing to Hebrews. For, he says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need you need milk and not solid food. Now, I read this before I had kids and I was like, wow, okay, and milk. Okay, <laughs> like, what's that? But then I realized after I had kids, that's what he's talking about, <laughs> nursing. You need formula. You're not ready for beef. You're not ready for ribeye steak that I enjoyed very much last night. You're not ready for that. You're not ready to graduate into the finer things of life. <laughs> you need this milk. Otherwise you're going to die. You're going to choke on that beef, right? And once, you know, we've had four kids by now and, and the process, this, this came alive to me as, you know, a nursing mom has to be careful about what she consumes. Like 
she's, she's in effect become a third party digestion for the child. It's kind of weird to think about that way, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's in effect what's happening. She's, she's taking the ribeye steak that the child is probably going to choke on or, you know, can't handle. She's taking it, she's digesting it, taking the nutrients, putting it in the milk and giving it to the child. So, so the mom is doing all this. Even if you don't breastfeed, it's, it's the same with, with basically formula. We're, we're using machines to break down the nutrients, add water to it, give it to the child because they can't handle it. Yeah, the, the steak. What the author of Hebrew is saying here in chapter five, and then he goes along with the, it goes along with this category of children in first John chapter two, is that children need someone in their life to consume the word of God for them, to live out the word of God. And they need someone to take the complexities of what it looks like to follow God and break it down into digestible pieces that are ready made for children so that they can handle it, so that they can benefit from it. And just like moms who are nursing, we must be careful with what we take in because whatever we take in, we give to the kids. That's why moms have to be careful with consuming alcohol and when they breastfeed after that. It, it even gets more incredible. Like if, if the mom gets a virus and she gets antibodies in her blood, she puts that in the milk and gives it to the child to protect the child. It's crazy. This, this process is insane. It's an incredible process, but it paints this picture of people who are giving their lives to Jesus and they're becoming these children of faith. And then there's these fathers and mothers that surround them to break down what the Christian life looks like for them into smaller pieces that they can handle. And it is incredible. It is incredible to see young men and women who serve as, as role models with, for, the, for the little children in the faith, what it looks like to follow Jesus. And it's incredible to see in our church community as fathers and mothers come alongside of them and see a lot of stuff that needs to change. But rather than piling on a list of behavioral changes, sort of like, yeah, here are these 30 items that you need to fix before next week and we will have our next session. You know, like you need to, uh, you need to uh, use the correct words or, you know, whatever else. Like instead of doing that, piling on a list of behavioral changes, they point them to Jesus. They walk with them slowly in their walk of sanctification. They give them nutrients that they need to grow. And it's like these, have you noticed these little trees in Iceland? I always find it so funny. Like these little trees and they have these like walls around them or like a, a pole, ironically enough, taken from another tree that was just killed. So that you can put a pole next to this smaller tree and support this tree, right? And it's, it's just incredible because it's like, man, Weather is so bad in Iceland. <laughs> it's like, it's kind of depressing, actually. It reminds me of how, how bad the weather is often here. Uh, but you have these walls around these little trees because their roots haven't really grown. They're not ready for uh, hurricanes or, or what we would call in Iceland a Wednesday, you know? Uh, you know, they're not ready for that. And so they need these walls to, to protect that. And so that's what discipleship in the church is supposed to look like. These walls of people saying, hey, I've grown in the faith. And I'm here for you. I'm going to walk with you through this. Your roots may not handle the winds that are about to come. I've grown some roots. Here, stay behind me. And what we need to be careful of as we take care of these children in the faith with what we consume and what we pass on to them, what is it that we as a church are emphasizing? 
because we want to nurture them with a pure spiritual milk that is not contaminated with something that's bad for them. We want to give them grace as they stumble around and learn how to crawl and walk and fend for themselves as they break stuff. If you haven't really, if you, if you haven't had kid, kids, uh, I'll just tell you this, they're impre- incredibly inconvenient and selfish, selfish human beings. <laughs> My kid kept me up all last night. I was trying to explain to her seventh month old, I'm preaching tomorrow. Stop this. <laughs> I need my brains to work. Stop coughing. Uh, just go to sleep. She didn't even listen to me. She just woke up at 4 a.m. and started yelling. Having children is some kind, sometimes inconvenient. Sometimes it's difficult, right? But if we want to see them grow, we have to be ready to take on this inconvenience. Right? Children don't even pay rent at our house yet. You know, so I'm waiting till they're like at least 12 to start implementing rent. So, um, no, but you think about it. Like there's just, there's this a, a relationship dynamic there where there's the assumption they're going to break stuff. They're going to be inconvenient, but they need someone to lovingly come alongside of them and help them. That's why we're here. That, that's why you are here today because someone was willing to be inconvenienced by you for some time. Okay? As awesome as you are. We need to extend a lot of patience and grace as there may be a lot of bruises and crying and screaming and diaper changing going on for the next few months, but what a joy it is to see a child grow. Now, what does the first step look like for someone to become a child? Well, we see it in our verses today in verse 12. We see at uh, and, the and end of verse 13, John writes two things about the children. He says, your sins are forgiven for his namesake and you know the father. To become a child of God, you need to first obviously know that he is your father. And I just thought of Darth Vader. I am your father. Uh, and, and a father that has not only been there for you, but he's forgiven your sins. He sent his son to die for you. That is the first step of the Christian life. You need to realize you're not, you're never going to earn this love. You're never going to be worth the love of God. You're, you, you can never earn what Jesus has done for us. That's why we call it grace and not payment, you know, or, or anything else. Like we, it's a gift that we simply have to receive. And so if you want to become a child, you need to realize that he is the father. He protects you. You're fully dependent on him like a child. And like a child, you will follow him wherever he goes because he's got the food, right? He's got the keys, he's got the car. As a child, you can't do any of this by yourself. What is the Christian life? That is to know that he took care of your sins. He sent Jesus to die for our sins, to pay our debt. And we give our lives to follow. Wherever he leads us, we will follow. That is the beginning of the Christian life. And I wanna ask you today, have you taken this first step? Now notice, it's, it says in the text, it's not by the child being good enough or deserving enough or worth enough to earn this love. It says, your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Amen? That's awesome. Because in that sense, we, we may have sort of a fourth category in our church, people who sit through services and are not yet children, not yet young men or fathers because they've not yet taken a step to join the family. And I wanna ask you, have you taken this step? And will you here today? But this is only the first step. And let me remind you, it is, 
it's not normal to have a 20-year-old child still sipping on milk, right? right. Who's, who's big in here? Paul, can, can you stand up? Or Raki, Raki, stand up. Stand up over there, yeah. Raki's a big guy. Or Elliot. Elliot's got uh, my, yeah, Elliot, Elliot, uh, Sigurdos is obsessed with Elliot because she's like, he has big muscles and she's obsessed with me getting stronger than Elliot. She's like, are you getting enough protein? <laughs> you you got to get stronger than Elliot. Imagine Elliot, right? Uh, just put this, I want to give you this mental image of Elliot. And he, <laughs> and, and he has this like thing around his neck. What is it called? That, uh, to stop the saliva from going down and everything else. And he's sitting in a stroller, this full grown man. Right? And he's got a huge pacifier in his mouth. Just and has a sippy cup. And someone is rolling around. It's like, yeah, Hilton is rolling around. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> Yeah, he's 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 a Christian. Yeah, I mean he's been, he's been a Christian for like 20 years. Yeah, I mean he's he loves Jesus. Yeah. That's not normal though. Like he shouldn't be that type of Christian. Like that was normal in your first year. That's not normal when you're in your twenties now or going to your 30s like that's that's not normal and yet right did i just place that image in everybody's head? <laughs> uh you can thank me afterwards elliot but here's here's what happens a lot of people that that's what a lot of people look spiritually in the christian life they say i have my partner through and you're like wait how long have you had your partner through <laughs> for like 30 years so you you know the basics of you you know that jesus died for your sins and you want to follow the father, but just you've never grown and graduated from that aspect of never had anything else. That's never pushed you to, to change the way you live or think. Or That's how a lot of people view themselves. And, and to them, they think it's normal. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty big for the stroller, but I, I mean, I still have people strolling me around and helping me. Full-grown adults that need others to care for them, sipping on milk when they when they should be, you know, at least young men and women in the faith who can take care of themselves and serve as role models for the children. Now, this can look so many different ways. This can look like you having no real understanding of God other than the basic truths. Maybe you've just never really read the word or lived a life where God could lead you and guide you and mold you and change you. Or this could be someone who, who has gained a lot of theoretical knowledge of the word of God, who listens to sermons all the time and teachings, and yet you just never really loved people. Like, what, what, what are you doing with all the knowledge? You know, like the Dead Sea, you know, you know why the Dead Sea is dead? Because it takes in, it takes in, it takes in, and it never lets out. And so there's no life in that sea. And that's how a lot of people live. Taking in milk that's supposed to nurture you and Equip your muscles so that you can learn how to crawl and walk. You just never actually learned how to crawl or walk. And so my question, are you new in the faith? That's exciting. And I hope that you have a community around you that can be a community where we gently and lovingly and in a supporting way come alongside of you and help you grow so that you can join us and be in a laborer for the harvest. But also ask, have you been a spiritual child for a very long time? I hope that you will allow us to sort of lead you out of this stagnation because Jesus, I mean, there's a ribeye steak out there. I mean, there's better things than milk. And, and we want to lovingly help you get out of this stagnation because there's so much more in store for you, dear brother and sister. There's a feast available for you. And we want you to stop simply living for the milk 
Now, this transition can be tough. We're preparing for it. Like we, I, I literally have it on my calendar when we're going to try to get our daughter off of uh, not getting milk at nighttime anymore. And I'm just preparing for a rough week. I'm going to take her to a separate room and I'm going to sit with her as he screams for milk and just say, no, it is a rough transition, but it is a transition worth making. Following Jesus, knowing him more is such an exciting and joy-filled life that I hope you will join us in. Now, quickly for the next two categories, in our verses today, we see the group as fathers and he writes simply twice the same thing about them. He says, I am writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. Now, there's a striking difference there between the knowledge of the child and the knowledge of fathers. And I think he's trying to underline it by saying, you know him who is from the beginning. He's, he's underlining the grandeur and majesty of God. You've not only become to know him as a father, you know that he is eternal. He was there before anything else was. Before the big bang, there was the big banger, you know, everything else, he was there. He is the author and sustainer of creation and you've gotten to experience his majesty and power. And I think it's John here intent to underline the grandeur that these are men and women who have experienced intimate knowledge that can only be gained with years of obedience that leads to experience of his greatness. Isn't that what this whole book is about? John is telling us we need to abide in Jesus. And when we answer the question, how am I supposed to abide in Jesus? He says, by experience that comes through obedience. Right? As you fight against sin, most of us, we think of that battle as like, oh, that's depressing. No, it leads to joy. That's why he's writing this letter. As we seek to love radically like Jesus, and we, most of us, we may think, God, oh, that's, he died for other people. <laughs> that sounds depressing. <laughs> No, it leads you to your joy. But how can parents parent well? I can tell you this. You can read a lot of books about parenting and you're not at all equipped for parenting. You can read what to expect when you're expecting and a bunch of other books. And, and it just, it's, it's like that Mike Tyson quote where he says, everybody's got a plan until you're punched in the face, <laughs> right? And that's exactly what parenting feels like. You have, you read your books, you read blogs and you're like, yeah. And you started to judge other parents. I would never do that. Yeah. I would never do that at all. If I was that parent, like I would, I would, I would, I would tell him was boss and they would listen to me. You know? And then you, then you become a parent and it's that Mike Tyson moment. You just get slapped in the face and all your plans go out the window and you're like, what am I doing? Parenting. You can, you can gain a lot of theoretical knowledge, but I'll, I'll tell you this. Most of parent is what you've learned through hardships, through, dangers that you've walked in or just barely avoided. And you're, you're trying to teach your children to not make the same mistakes as you did and hopefully make new ones. And they can teach their kids to, to learn from all the various mistakes. But what we see here is if the children are, are like the little trees that need these rods and small fences around them to survive the first few years as they develop roots, these fathers and mothers are the big, great oak trees that take on the brunt of the force of the wind so that these little trees behind them have shelter to grow roots under their protection. Now this week I was talking with a professor who teaches theology and he explained this idea to me that somehow in our, our, our modern day context, we've taken this idea of knowledge in the Greek and we've, we've made it purely theoretical that we only like gain knowledge in our head 
but he was saying the writers of the Bible, be it in the New Testament or Old Testament, they didn't divorce knowledge uh, from, from lived out experience. Knowledge was gained through a life that was lived out. Now I think of the Psalm one that uh, is the guy who says, uh, says, I delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night. And I'm like a tree that's planted by the river who bears its fruit in season. Now think of this. If I would give you two people and I would say, we're gonna learn how to pray, right? And on one hand, I can give you a, a professor who has read a lot of books on the subject. I can give you someone who has, uh, who has read a lot of blogs and he's taught classes on prayer. And then on the other hand, you have a guy who may be an engineer and has no theological education, but you've seen his life. And you know, not only that he loves to pray, you've seen the effects of prayer in his life. You've seen the joy it gives him. You've seen how he's disciplined about the times that he prays, but also that he's brought prayer into everyday life. Which one, if I presented these two individuals to you, the one who has a lot of theoretical knowledge, books on the subject, or the one who's just lived the life of prayer, which one would you really wanna learn from on how to pray? When it comes to being fathers or mothers, we have to remember that it's not enough to know more about the subject. And here you have fathers who have developed deep roots enough to not only keep themselves stable, but also help serve others. And then lastly, we have, he writes about the young men where he says, you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you've overcome the evil one. This is the Christian who is young. He's no longer a child that needs to be protected while he learns the basics of crawling and walking and even eating by themselves. And here's someone who can not only take care of the basics of life, but he can face trials and has grounding to withstand the winds. He can serve as a role model for someone coming behind him and, and what, it, what it looks like to live the Christian life. And I love how John says, you are strong and if you overcome the evil one, but then if we ask the question, how, how, why are they strong? How are they strong? How have they overcome the evil one? He puts this little thing in there. The word of God abides in you. Uh, you remember what Hebrew 5 talked about? The children in the faith who still needed milk because they couldn't handle the oracles of God. Here you have someone who's finally grown enough to feed themselves. And they're feasting on and abiding in the word or more accurately, as, as he says it, the, the word is abiding in them. What does the word say about the power and ability of the Bible to equip us? Like this reminds me all over and over again, why we read our Bibles. Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching you, for reproving you, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. God in his grace, has good work for you to do to your brother and sister. He has good work for us to do. And God has blessed us with some of his, some, some of us with, with a lot of energy and strength right now derived from this faith. And the question for you, if you're here and you're one of these young men and women is, what are you gonna use your time for? What will you use your strength for? If you're in this stage, we need you to step up and serve our church. We need you to help us take care of the young and the faith as they grow roots. 
We need you to join us in tapping into the wisdom of older saints who have served for years and decades before us, who have a lot to teach. And when a war is on, we don't send elderly people to fight the wars. We don't send children to the battlefield. Typically, it is the young men, those who have a lot of vitality and strength, who are able to fend for themselves and help protect others. And we are blessed in our congregation with diversity. And I hope we realize that Jesus has called us to grow in this. So I, I wanna lay out these steps for you and just ask you, where, where, where are you in this step? Because number one, we're, we're called to step into the light as we become children of God who, who were taught and discipled. Number two, we are, we are called to eventually get a place where we can lead ourselves in the basics of the Christian life. And number three, we are called to join in the work as a worker who is not only able to lead yourself, but also in others. And then after years of experimental knowledge gained through obedience, we're called by the grace of God to lead others to the knowledge that we've got to experience. We need this type of diversity in our church. We want all of these three or four categories to always be within our church. There's a lot of talk about being a healthy church and I want that for us. And I for one, and, and, and I was thinking about this this week and I for one see a glaring need in our church to see more people come to faith. I've, I've, I'm, I admit it to you, I've been distracted for the last couple of years and, and my heart broke when I realized it. We need more people to come to faith. I want more people to, to get to experience the joy I've come to experience. But where are you in these three categories? And are you willing to step up and take the next step in your walk with God? If so, I would love to talk to you after the service or talk with Elliot after the service, but I wanna share these warnings to each of you if you're in these categories. Number one, warning for the children, don't fall into the trap of thinking that you can stay that way forever. And also, don't fall into the trap of thinking you can grow like the other person next to you in one night. That's gonna cause a lot of discouragement. That's one step at a time. That's how a long journey is, is conquered. Parents, how do you parent and love your children? Partially it is to know that the children are gonna break things, they will mess up, they will be dirty, they will be in, an inconvenience. And in those moments, you will extend grace and mercy and with gentleness teach them through their failures. We must not be a church that is so overly concerned with everybody looking perfect that we do not allow children in the faith to feel welcomed to worship or join membership, to be raised up and discipled. And this, this part is messy, but that's one of the things that I'm realizing that when it comes to the talking about healthy churches, this is never highlighted. If we're gonna be a healthy church, we have to, to some extent, be a messy church because a healthy church has children that are stumbling around, messing things up and we have to leading, lead them and love them. And then lastly, this warning to the young ones, this is what I dealt with for years. <laughs> Don't get frustrated because everybody does not seem to have the same drive as you. Don't equate your ambition and drive with love of God and cause you to disdain those who may be worn down after years of doing what you're doing right now or by children who can't even walk yet, but you're hoping that they can run with you. 
So whatever category you're in, I hope you take these warnings and meditate on them. I hope we take these three categories and realize God has in store for us growth to take place. And as we go into this week, I hope that you join me in thinking, okay, what does it look like for me to grow in my faith now? And it's not just to know more stuff, it's to live a changed life. And always what we wanna do as church is we wanna celebrate why we follow Jesus, which is the communion. This is to remember the broken body of Jesus and his, his blood that was shed for us. And just like food is nourishment for the body so that we can continue going, this is the reason why we go into this week and we continue our worship, even though our service comes to an end, because he's worthy of all of life. He's the one who died for us. And so we live for him. And so I want you to join me this week. Think about which category you're in and what it looks like for you to take the next step. If you don't know, talk to me or Elliot after the service and we can schedule a time to meet up and, and walk with you through that because we have a bunch of time, right, Elliot? <laughs> Man. So let, let me just, let me just uh, pray for us. Father, I thank you for your grace that catches us when we fail. I thank you for your grace that you extend to each one of us because at one point or another, maybe we are children here today. Maybe we were children uh, last year, but you have shown us so much grace. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen. Um, and the benediction. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever, amen. Father, would you be with us as we go into this week? Would you give us opportunities to love, to celebrate you, to make much of you, to enjoy you? Father, give us the joy and hope that is everlasting and it's not fleeting, it's not go away with changing circumstances. May we face this week with eternal hope, with eternal joy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you wanna stay after the service, we're gonna have some family food out there, which is just, if you're here, that it's for you. And so, uh, but it was a joy to worship with you guys today. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week. You've been listening to Sermons from Iceland, a weekly podcast highlighting the Sunday teaching ministry of Lofstofan Baptiste Kirka in Reykjavik, Iceland. If you have a desire to see the gospel spread in Iceland, consider partnering with the Iceland Project. For more information, go to theicelandproject.org. If you live in Iceland or plan on visiting Iceland soon, make plans to worship with us at 11 a.m. on Sundays. Our address is Fagrating 2A, Kopavar, only 7 miles or 12 kilometers southeast of downtown Reykjavik. You can reach Pastor Gunnar via the Lofstofan Facebook page or by email. His address is lofstofan at lofstofan.is. Join us next week for another Bible-based and Jesus-centered message on Sermons from Iceland. Iceland.